Broadcasting live from the Book of Babu Frick, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Garrett Strother. And I'm your other host, Seamus Connolly. And today we are talking about the second season of the Book of Boba Fett. Um, no, wait, that's not right. We're talking nope, about... Nope. third and a half season <laughs> of The Mandalorian, maybe? Uh, season three, episode one, The Apostate, which we will get into in our main segment. But first, we have a tiny little itty bitty snack sized news segment today, which is which is sadly the passing of legendary character actor. Would you call him a character actor? I think I was kind of I was kind of chewing on that in your lead up here. And I think I, I might say that. Yeah, he's definitely a supporting player and a great one at that. And. That oh, is, absolutely. of course, Tom Sizemore, probably best known and most celebrated for his supporting roles in Heat and Saving Private Ryan. Mm, yes. I love him in his one scene in Point Break. Is he in Point Break? He yeah, has no one kidding. scene in Point Break, and he is hilarious in it. He's so good. I love him as a as a badass army guy. I, I'm pretty sure he's in Black Hawk Down as well, yes, one of the is. most traumatic war films of my entire life. I I remember him being great in there, and also maybe the actual best single episode guest star of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia as a trucker who is trying to pick up Charlie Day and Glenn Howerton as prostitutes. It is that truly is iconic. Fantastic. It is amazing. No, but yeah, it is. It is sad. He he actually passed. It was from a a brain aneurysm, if if I'm not mistaken, at a, at a fairly young age. It's not like he kind of played out the rest of what his career maybe could have spanned out into. It, it was it was kind of a very sudden thing here. So that that kind of makes this extra tragic. Agreed, and I think it's sad that for most of the last 20 years it doesn't really feel like he's been doing much i understand that he is on cobra kai heard that mm. i don't know how much of cobra kai he's on at all i just saw a tweet and i was like i didn't know tom sizemore was in cobra kai but you know right now is weirdly an era of 80s and 90s actors who never really got their full career out there they're, they're making comebacks right now who, who knows what could have happened you know it's very very true Go watch Heat, I guess, because I'm not going to say go watch Saving Private Ryan. Because <laughs> that movie is upsetting. That movie's very upsetting, and I don't actually like it that much, but that's not for this episode. Um, what about Black Hawk Down? You like Black Hawk Down? Um, if I can get past, like, the racism of Black Hawk Down, I probably yeah. like Black Hawk Down. Yeah. Like, I think it's a well-made movie. I also think Saving Private Ryan is a well-made movie, to be fair. But you know what is a banger is Point Break. Everybody should go watch Point Break. And that one episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, actually one of the funniest episodes of that entire series. And there's no Rex Hunter this week, because that's <laughs> yeah, what we're doing. there you go, there is you go. Point Break in that one episode of that It's Always Sunny episode, in Philadelphia. I want to say the gang... Uh, uh, the gang is trapped in the woods, maybe, is what that episode is called? I don't remember. I believe you, Seamus, I really do. Could be, could be. But... Should we already immediately move on to our main segment? <laughs> Wizard Garrett, let's do it. For today's main segment, we are covering the season three premiere of The Mandalorian, The Apostate. I can't I, uh... believe that you brought us in, Seamus, without saying 
Now it's time for Mando Bros, where we break oh down my the season God. three premiere of The Mandalorian. I'm sorry, I'm in I'm in main segment mode, not not weekly segment mode. So my, my brain's got all scrambled on me. It's also it's been a nice minute since we've had that had Mando Bros. You know, because last December when Mandalorian's usually out, we had the the book of the book of the book of the the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> We can't stop talking about the book of Boba Fett, Garrett. It's honestly a problem. Uh, it's embarrassing. I think how much we talk about the book of Boba Fett. Do we need to rewatch it? Is that a stupid thing that we need to do? Is it actually amazing and we don't realize it yet? I would be very pleased if I never watched a single second of the book of Boba Fett again. Maybe that one episode where the Man- where Mando's got the dark saber. Yeah. But why would I? Watch that episode when they just do it again in this one, but worse than that. Oh, man, yeah. Let's let's talk about let's, let's talk, talk about, about it, man. My God, I was a little okay. A little is uh is too easy. I was quite underwhelmed by this premiere. If I'm being honest, I th- I think there are a lot of threads that they are starting that are obviously going to be a larger part of of this season and the the story overall, but they started us off with like half of a side quest kind of like, I hated the opening. I hated it. I literally, when the main title came up, I put my hands to my mouth and made a fart noise. When (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny. Oh man. Yeah. They were, they were the big swing for Mando season three intro, but man, Oh, I think it's sad. I guess we should talk about what it is. It's a tribe of Mandalorian children who are... Yeah, are we getting into spoilers? Are we saying screw it right I now? Guess, well, like... I guess, okay, it is... It's, I was like, it's the opening. It doesn't... No, I guess that's true. I guess... Okay, we'll circle back. We'll circle back. Okay, we'll, we'll circle back. It's a shame that this episode was so underwhelming because I think that some of the strongest episodes, and in one case, I think the strongest episode of the entire series are those first couple season openers. Like, the the pilot mm-hmm. of Mandalorian is very, very good, and so is, this is the one I think is the best episode of the series, the season two opener. It's my favorite, personally. The with, season two opener is with, um... With Cobb Vanth and, yeah, and the big, uh, the crate the dragon, dragon, the sandworm dude. from Dune so over good. there. They didn't really follow through no. on, on this season three, which is very sad, because, again, they are doing some things which in my mind, might have something to do with rewrites around a certain character who is no longer part of the gang. But uh, I, I I think there is plenty of time to maybe flesh out a little more of a slap-bang opener for, for season three that we, we just did not get. Because I think even if that specific character had been in this specific episode, it wouldn't have really changed anything. Unless they had yeah. a completely different story story in mind that was completely dependent on them being in the episode. I would like to talk more about that specific character and how they dealt with that. But I I, I guess just overall, I, I feel like I have generally less to say about this episode than I thought I would because of... It almost feels like they're, they're doing a little bit of pickup work to be like... All right, nobody watched slash liked the book of Boba Fett. A lot of it feels like that. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. Like re resetting up what was set up in Mando season two, where they're just like, all right, people need the refresher because we assumed everybody would watch a full season of a show that's bad that they didn't know the Mandalorian was going to be in. By the way, so 
foolish, so foolish. I don't know if you noticed this during the... This isn't a spoiler. This is the previously on The Mandalorian. (laughs) During the previously on The Mandalorian, they do not show him going and getting Grogu back, nor do they show his new ship. And so, if you just watched the season 2 finale of The Mandalorian, where Luke takes Grogu away, mm. and then you watch the season 3 premiere of The Mandalorian, you go, the ep- the next episode in the series, all of a sudden, The Mandalorian's got a new ship, and Grogu's just back, and that's it. Yeah, I was, like, genuinely confused about the way they did that intro, because I... As somebody who has regrettably watched the Book of Boba Fett, <laughs> forgot that that was supposed to kind of be like a pseudo reveal to the people out of the loop. Even though, as a reveal, that would be the most frustrating, confusing thing to ever have happen in the intro of your season three, you know? I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it floors me. My parents, they watched the first two seasons of The Mandalorian. They will probably not watch the third season of The Mandalorian because they were not impressed with the second season. But yeah, that's fair. But now, now they definitely the idea, didn't watch the book of Boba Fett. So even if they decide to come back to this, they're not going to have any idea what's going on. And like, I was going to say somebody like my dad, who's got such a low threshold for the nonsense that he will put up with in a Star Wars before he completely checks out. I feel like he's never going to engage after it's just like, OK, all of the narrative momentum, all of the stakes that they built up for two seasons. It's just like, OK, time gap. Grogu's back. Don't worry about it. I would like to maybe get into spoilers. Let's I do feel it. Like, Let's do there's, it. Uh, like I kind of mentioned before, it's like the first half of three different stories yeah. happening in an episode that was arguably way shorter than it has any right to be as a season premiere I of a show. I thought it was pretty crazy it's... that it was 37 minutes. Yeah, that was like, crazy what are we well, doing? 37 minutes with five minutes of credits at the end and, yeah, and all, you know, all the extras that are on there, the... The the Star Wars little red and blue graphic that is growing steadily longer every project. Well, they, they swap out the characters each time. I know, they, I know, but I know. feel like it's longer than it's ever been for the intro, but maybe you that's just my imagination. You could very well be right, Seamus. You could very well be right. But I actually, let's call spoilers right here so we can, I want to jump immediately into a continued point that we were just discussing, which is the Mandalorian's main motivation that's set up in this episode for the rest of the season, maybe more than one season, is coming from something that happened on a different show. Yeah. How how dumb is that, dude? My god. I, th- the way they're playing this, this season three, it's like, do they want us to have watched the Book of Boba Fett, or do they want us to be surprised by things? Are we Are we supposed to be having this... I mean, and don't even get me started with the weird stuff about the timeline that we've been discussing behind the scenes here of how long this show is supposedly taking in the grand scheme of what's happening out there. It's it's getting ridiculous. We have our opener, which I began to describe moments ago, <laughs> of the tribe of Mandalorians who are anointing a new foundling into their midst it's the path, it's the way from um, from the first couple seasons. So you, you've got the John Favreau heavy Mando, you've got the mm. armorer, 
By the way, did you also think that their helmets and armor looked pretty bad? Well, definitely the kid armor, I was like, this is at Toys R Us yesterday, <laughs> and this, this just premiered. It, it, it was it was a bit goofy looking for sure. I I it started to look like everyone. It's it's a Fallout seventy six server and everyone's in their like custom mod power armor yeah. that they're lugging the lugging around everywhere. It, it, it's it's getting weird. But they get like nonsense attacked by a big alligator dinosaur thing. Yeah, and I, I mean <laughs> I don't. I, it's ridiculous and it's also I mean like. My care for the tribe of Mandalorians as I watched them get absolutely slaughtered for a while. I, I was like, you know, I was having a good-ish time. Like, we'll get into this in a moment, but I don't care about this group of Mandalorians really at all. I know <laughs> that Din was raised by them or whatever, and that the armorer we're supposed to have, like, this complicated relationship with... Where she's a badass, but also mm -hmm. she's a religious zealot. And I'm mostly caught up on the fact that she's a religious zealot. Then why do we care about what these guys think? I'm yeah. not... Three seasons into this show, I'm not on board with you still being like, Hey, let me back into the Mandalorian Taliban, please. Like, I'm trying... <laughs> I will go oh bathe in the holy I, water on our planet that got bombed to smithereens by the Empire. Yeah. Please let me back. I mean, I'm excited about exploring a, a Mandalore wasteland. Me I too. think that's pretty fun. They turned Mandalore to glass, uh, as Boba Fett yeah, says in I Mandalorian mean, Season 2. As they prove in, in this to the rest of the Mandos. I mean, I think it'll be cool. One of the multiple half-shows that's in this show now is... Hey, don't you remember how much you liked the old seasons of The Mandalorian? It's like, <laughs> it's Ouroborosing Star Wars nostalgia into itself. And it's like, The Mandalorian is brand new. And they're like, hey, you remember IG-11, right? You want him back, right? And I'm like, not really. <laughs> yeah, like, for real. And that that's where my little bit of, like... Cara Dune was 100% supposed to be the accomplice on some of these adventures. And now they have to resurrect one of the only other characters he has a tight relationship with from the earlier seasons. Well, that I, isn't just like grief cargas coming along again. You remember when he came along on missions? <laughs> I don't understand why you need to resurrect IG 11 when you have like a million buddies scattered around the galaxy now. Yeah. Yeah. There's literally a whole crew like arc of let's get the crew together in these multiple episodes. So we have a crew, but like, I hate to bring up the book of Boba Fett. You made a bunch of friends on Tatooine, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. I think Boba Fett could probably like spare Fennec Shan for a week for you to go do that. Yeah, maybe let uh, Black Kersantan, Kersantinian, Kersantan, Kersantan. Let him do something cool for once, right? Danny Trejo is the Rancor Keeper. Yeah, He's yeah, why not? coming along to Mandalore. Why not? But, why? I mean, why IG-11? Why the first time they try to fix him and turn him on, do they do it in Grief Karga's office? I'm not going to say I disliked our little Terminator moment of, like, oh, Berserker yeah. I, IG When it unit. literally says, must terminate, and then, like, <laughs> crawls with one hand. Yeah, with one hand, Grogu. no legs. It's it's pretty fire. It's pretty great. Shout out Babu Frick out here. Oh, the family of Babu Fricks <laughs> doing God's work. I think what I really want is to see what how the Babu Fricks exist in the Star Wars universe, <laughs> because I, I loved the visual gag of Mando sitting uh, A in... tiny, tr tiny droid shop? I yeah. love that. That was so funny. And he's just, like, this giant 
And we were talking about how, you know, give a Babu Frick a BD droid and it's basically an ATST. <laughs> Dude, my God. It would be it would be glorious to see those things up against any any number of marginally larger droids <laughs> that would just tower over them. It would be so funny. Uh I mean I do I do I think the Grogu stuff in this episode is cute and fun. Like I like Oh yeah. I like it when he spins in the chair. I, I like it when he hugs Babu Frick. I don't know if it's For, actually force, is it? uh... Actually, I don't think it's Babu a Frick. named Babu Frick. I okay. don't think so, but it's like that's the Babu Frick aliens. Just making sure. I mean, we're just gonna call him Babu Frick regardless. Yeah. Bad baby, I'm loving it, <laughs> loving it. That's hilarious. It's no a, squeezy, it's... no squeezy. <laughs> really like it's broke. Don't worry, it's broke. It... <laughs> oh, that yeah, truly very very fun. I I want to see them come back. Maybe react to IG-11 being back, and they're, like, impressed with Mando's handiwork. I, I don't know. Well, that's the thing. I want to see the Babu Bricks come back, but I don't care about IG-11 coming back. So it's like, uh, I guess. Uh, the, the sacrifice. Like, are we not, are we going to not remember that he chose as a, as a droid with a self-destruct unit for only selfish purposes was reprogrammed to, like, be the sacrificial hero of that day? Like, come on. Well, I think, to me... The thing that runs through all of the storylines that's going on right now, and maybe I can maybe hope to give this show enough credit to by the end of the season realize this and kind of acknowledge it and have that be the theme, but the thing that's going on right now is every storyline is going back on the theme from the previous seasons. It's, oh, I like I had to learn to give up Grogu. Because I care about him and I want him to have what's best for him. No, actually, in the service of the show, we will bring him back because, you know, Baby Yoda needs to sit in the hover pram next to Mando. IG-11 made the sacrifice that he chose to make because that's moving and where his character arc made sense to go. And it's like, no, but we like IG-11, so we're going to bring him back. And it's same exact thing with, like, taking his helmet off in season two is the craziest thing. And then they're just like, now I'll do whatever it takes for me to get back to the point where i'll never take my helmet off again which is it's it's sad because that all the excitement of of that progression and maybe hey maybe this is going to be the darkest season of mando ever and it's going to be about like how his life crumbles as he tries to hold on to everything that his life isn't anymore i would love that'd, that that'd i would be love great. That. maybe he legit loses the Darksaber. Maybe he legit loses Grogu by, like, Grogu's choice, maybe. He decides to go off to with not the Jedi. Another thing that's weird to me about the setup of this episode, because now, you know, the end of the episode is he goes to see Bo-Katan, and she's sitting in the Mandalorian throne, just, yeah, just I, hanging out. Lounging sadly sideways across a Mando throne. <laughs> Something that is very frustrating to me is Grief Karga has a throwaway line about Moff Gideon's at a war tribunal at the New Republic because he's a D&D NPC. <laughs> <laughs> he is now. He's the town master. All of the narrative momentum that the season two finale had going forward, not to say that it was necessarily what I was interested in the show being, is gone. It's dissipated because it's like, there's no imminent danger from Bo-Katan, at least not right now. No Moff Gideon playing Iago with the crew. <laughs> Just kind of like, okay, I guess we're back to, you know, there are pirates this week, gotta deal oh, with yeah. them. Pirate cowboy shootout, which, you know, should have been fun. And yeah, I like me a little N1 starfighter dogfighting. That was the like, highlight of the episode for me. Like, certainly. yeah, lots of, lots of fun. But, like, then we get straight up. 
He says a vast Mando. <laughs> what? I thought I don't know what a vast means, Garrett. I might be showing my hand here, but that's pretty ridiculous. Especially when we get like green beard, the plant alien pirate head of the pirate clan. You see, I actually don't mind any of that. Star Wars can be goofy. It's not that I have a problem with it being goofy for me. It's when the storytelling itself is bad that it bothers me. I don't necessarily specifically have a problem with any of that, but it feels like they just threw it in there, you know, because we have our little cowboy shootout, and then am I really gonna care about this pirate guy? Are they really gonna come through with this pirate guy that I'm, like, oh, already yeah. on the fence about? No, I, I, I agree that... I wish that more of the episode had been building up the pirate guy or something. Yeah, sure. Like you said, I like the idea of going to Mandalore. Although the only reason, personally, I feel like I care about Bo-Katan or going to Mandalore or any of that at all is because I watched two full series (laughs) that are super contingent and about Mandalore and the Mandalorian culture, and we've never been really back to Mandalore after Mm -hmm. The Great Purge. So it's like, I want to see that because of my interest from the Mm -hmm. Clone Wars and Rebels. I don't want to see that because I care about Bo-Katan from The Mandalorian or even Mandalore from The Mandalorian. I care about the characters from The Mandalorian, and I think that they know that, but they aren't taking the right message away from it. I completely agree. I I think it is... The ideas are so interesting, but the ideas coupled with the regression of where these characters... Because if the characters were still driving forward, maybe, as they were in the last couple seasons, there could be some motivation that kind of hooks me in there. But I I don't know. It feels like a little bit of a de-evolution of what we're trying to do here in the Mandoverse. I hope the next couple episodes are going to be coming around a little harder on this. I, I've i got my own stupid hopes uh, after reading a bunch of Mando Reddit theories about where this season is going. Can you divorce yourself from the Reddit theories enough to give me where you hope it's going and what you want to see out of season three? Where I hope it's going is... Maybe we get a little more Mayfeld. Maybe Mayfeld is the is the new sheriff of Navarro somehow. Maybe he gets up up in there. I maybe IG eighty eight himself is somehow involved in this quest for for IG 11s parts. The pirates. I mean, is Hondo alive in this in this timeline? Are Actually, gonna, are yes, sh- he is because because he's in Galaxy's Edge. Because he's right? in Galaxy's Edge, which is a really <laughs> stupid thing for us to pull in right now. But he's in the That's theme canon. park, so he's it's here. canon, dude. It is canon. There's a whole video game about it. Hondo would be cool. I would. I hate to say it, Shavis. You should have seen the face I was making when you were like, "I wish all these other characters that I like showed up in this well, show." Not, <laughs> not even like I wish, but it's more like I think. Because again, Cara Dune was one hundred percent going to be the sheriff of Navarro at some point before they were just like, "She's uh, joined the special forces again, Mando. Don't worry about her." And I'm like, "I won't worry about her, Carl Weathers. I won't worry ever again." See. Honestly, when he's like Mando come be Sheriff of Navarro, I'm like, I would so much rather watch that show than whatever now, we're doing. Dude, I kind of had the same thoughts, too, of what is a Mando, because he's, they kind of asked those questions in the first season of The Mandalorian of like, what is your life, man? Like, are you happy being this like vagabond bounty hunter Never really have a place to call your home. Living underground when you do have a moment of rest. I feel like it would be interesting to explore 
like homestead mando like what is he really doing does he have weird flashbacks as he's trying to live a peaceful life in in this nice town i, I don't know i think that would have been interesting like quill his mentor yeah, yes it would make sense for him to settle down because i feel like season two was all about hey mando it's like not good for grogu to be doing this <laughs> stuff with you. He's getting kind of violent. It's kind yeah. of scary. He can go to school now. And, exactly. And use the force to eat jelly beans in Grief Cargo's <laughs> office. Are those jelly beans or are those M&Ms? I was trying to figure out. Oh, actually, I had the thought, are they Reese's Pieces tying in with the uh, E.T.-verse? I'm that, yeah. I mean, Space peanut on. butter? There you go. I'm sure that there's plenty of weird space things. There, there's got to be. I'm way more interested in the idea of that happening, although I don't think it will. Going back to Hondo for a second, I think he's a character that would make a lot of sense and be really fun on The Mandalorian in a way that mm-hmm. bringing back IG-11, not so fun, not so interesting for me. I don't want a bunch of legacy characters coming back. Like, you brought up bringing Mayfeld back, and nah, not really for me, unless, unless it was a, like, hey, IG-11 didn't work out, so I'm gonna need a guy to go with me to Man- to Mandalore. But also, he seems to just be going to Mandalore alone, maybe, anyway, at the end of this episode. How's he gonna, how's he gonna bring the droid on the ship that he has with one seat? Uh, see, know? I was like, wondering I, about people that, People have been too. asking that. It has direction, this show, but its direction is kind of frustrating and obtuse. It doesn't have the same energy of i have the kid i need to bring the kid to a jedi that's a much more secure mm-hmm. character motivation than i need to bathe in the sacred waters of mandalore so i can go back to my weird religious cult that we've already established is bad for me and they don't treat me well in a perfect world we're gonna get to the end of this season and we're gonna realize like the entire arc is about him realizing how like absolutely messed up his life is because of the watch the watch i think is the watch yeah we already did this also last season (laughs) yeah yeah, as much as i agree with you and i hope that is the resolution at the end of this season i ultimately wish that that episode of the book of boba fett had just been the opener of this oh dude are you kidding me that's what i was thinking the whole time we're like we we both agreed that that like listless sad alone mando cutting cutting back with Back and forth between that and Grogu training should have been the better part of an entire season of The Mandalorian, probably. And honestly, I don't even need to see Grogu train. I kind of like no, it just... more when it's just sad, listless Mando, and he's just, I you mean, know, it's, it's living, he's at the Halo shopping mall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, just cutting through so many tubes with that Darksaber, because he's just whipping it around. I'm into it. It's good. It's a good episode of a really bad show. Again, like I said before, it's the one episode I would probably revisit of that show. Mm-hmm. I hope Mando is headed to the uh, the junkyard planet from Shadows of the Empire to ride a train up to uh, find a motivator for his IG droid or something, because that's that's uh, you know that you know these guys love a little weird deep video game lore. <laughs> I mean, even, they do. Hell, even if they get to Mandalore and we get some Knights of the Old Republic style Mando stuff going on there, some some Crusader armor or something, I, I think that would be a lot of fun. That'd be cool if he had some like really old school armor that he finds down in his loot drop. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a purple. It's a purple legendary Mando gauntlet or something. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you could get slicker than his pure Beskar. 
but dude, I don't know. I still love his OG, like weird sand trooper armor set that he gets replaced in the first episode. I love that thing. We'll be covering this week to week because we're locked into Mando Bros. <laughs> yes, we are. If it were not a staple of this show, would we probably be doing it week to week? I w- I will be honest, no. Uh, maybe not at this point. I feel like if anything, we would maybe circle back to the Bad Batch. Or de- I mean, surely Andor when that when that comes back around. I feel bad that I have fallen off so much other Star Wars media. I I didn't finish Tales of the Jedi. I've not watched any of season two of the Bad Batch. Mm. That's stuff that's actually, I feel like, got interesting stuff that I'm invested in going mm-hmm. on more than The Mandalorian right now. I mean, I think they just announced the new another season of Visions. Did you ever, did you ever give Visions yes. a shot? Um, I've watched, again, I've watched some, not all of it. There's a cute little, we need to play a rock band show for Jabba the Hutt at the pod race or else we all get killed episode that I, I really enjoy. And I'm very interested in that kind of Star Wars storytelling where it is more open to not just being... We've got to stop the First Order or whatever. (laughs) whatever. I am glad that this season is stepping away a little bit from... I mean, I'm sure we'll see Dr. Pershing again. We're not done with him. Oh, wait, didn't he get shot? Am I crazy? I don't remember him getting shot. He might have. Maybe I'm Mr. Oh, no, wait. Am I just straight up thinking of... Werner Herzog getting capped super hard <laughs> in, like, episode three. Oh, Werner Herzog. Rest in peace. <laughs> Rest in peace of the buyer. Uh, I want to see the chat. Or the client? Was that, the, was that his name? Oh, yeah, the client. Sorry, not the buyer. We will all be very quiet. <laughs> Funniest line. That's so good. Uh, uh, give us the Werner Herzog nature documentary in the waters of Naboo. I would love that. I love Naboo. You know we, I love we've Naboo. Definitely it's one of the most beautiful planets. It is so it is so nice. It's probably my favorite Star Wars planet. I like that it has more of an ecosystem than other planets and that totally. there's actually internal variety. It's not just like, it's the sand planet. It's the desert planet. It's the snow planet. The, uh, also, just like Thebe as a city is gorgeous. I, that's like the best Battlefront oh, yeah. 2 map of all time. All, I love it to death. All of the culture, all of the architecture. I love the like electing a queen thing. Totally. I There's lo- like Easter Island heads in the fields that we just don't know the history of, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it feels really ancient. I, I love when we go there in the High Republic. Naboo oh. rocks. I love Naboo. Hell yeah. And Plus it's in the best Star Wars movie, episode one of Phantom Menace. That's you know. the thing. I think that a big, big part of my soft spot for Phantom Menace is how much I love Naboo and how yeah, much of dude. that movie takes place on Naboo. Fighting in the streets, the, yeah. the duel of the fates, the the reactor fights. The, the N1 Starfighter. I love the N1 dude, Starfighters. Love it. Yeah, just, just that coupled with the space battle where, I mean, I say what you will about little baby Anakin just annihilating a space station. Yeah, it that, doesn't really bother me that much. It, it, uh, it's the force. The force Exactly. It, you know? like the force, the force wills all. The force guide. Because that I, child only killed a couple actual living beings. Most of them were <laughs> droids. It's fine. There are cool planets in episodes two and three that I don't have the same affinity for, partially because Naboo feels really real and tactile, and mm-hmm. it's there in miniature, and it's there and it's there in real sets. And obviously, the Gungans are all CG, and Gunga City is CG. Filoni needs to stop being a coward and give Mando a Gungan sidekick already. Or, uh, am I am I am I wrong in saying that a badass Gungan bounty hunter sidekick? 
there have been some cool Gungan characters on the Clone Wars and stuff. So mm. that general know. guy, General, what's his name? General Mustache. Um, gen- is that General Tarples? <laughs> Could be. I think Could it, be. I think it is. You are on it with the Gungan <laughs> vocab today, dude. You are like sniping the stuff I um, should know as a Jar Jar lover. Oh, you know, Seamus, I know an inordinate, embarrassing, <laughs> unhealthy amount of Star Wars crap. I just, I'm just saying. I think now is the time to reintroduce Gungans as a respected race of aliens, and uh, I don't know. That is interesting. I guess, like, what? How did their standing change after the Clone Wars? Because oh, I meant like in, in the fandom of like, oh, this oh. is a Jar Jar guy. I'm out. But like that, that is actually an interesting question of like the brave warriors of the Battle of Naboo. But also, like, I feel like probably the. Empire, like, erased a lot of the Clone Wars, you know, history. I mean, how are you going to erase that Gungan Senator Jar Jar Binks gave <laughs> our Lord and Emperor's emergency powers? That's all true, I guess. That is true. It's, Let me, Jar it's Jar, true. All would, of it. Jar Jar would be a hero to the Empire. Yeah, because... he would be like, that is that is a disturbing idea to think about, like, is Jar Jar, he's just like an Imperial hero he's like living in luxury and all of his friends are dead and his best friend anakin skywalker who he never had any personal problems with is evil now <laughs> well he doesn't even and... know that he's dead like his little oh, yeah. annie who he loves so much is also oh. dead he knows he, that he is responsible for at least the rise of the emperor i'm sure padme and him texted back and forth a little bit like Bro, don't go to the Senate today. It's going down. In the comics, when they go back to Naboo, Darth Vader goes back to Naboo. There's a whole thing with like Kira Knightley's character is running an, a resistance movement on Naboo. She's like, yeah, Anakin Skywalker. He was a great Jedi hero, and he died with the rest of the Jedi during the Man. Great Purge. So like everybody thinks that Anakin is this Republic hero that died. Man, that is. That is a weird a weird thing to think about that I guess it makes complete sense that nobody would know all of the secret evil stuff that he did in like one afternoon to become Darth Vader but like that that is that is interesting so I guess if Jar Jar's out there somewhere he's just he fully thinks everyone he's ever loved is dead and he betrayed the republic to turn it into a monster that that is so sad I'm going to look up what the last canon appearance of Jar Jar Binks is what is the yeah what is the average gungan lifespan what is the canon Gungan lifespan? I mean, maybe, again, Jar Jar and the Gungans are a topic that people are afraid to touch more because of, you know, the history of everyone, you know, everybody hates Jar Jar. Oh, but... you are going to love this. God, Because what? of his role in abetting the rise of the Empire, Binks was once again exiled by his people. No! <laughs> Jar, what? Oh my God. After the Battle of Endor in the Rise of the New Republic, he performed in the streets of Theed as a clown who was popular with children but not their parents. Many Gungan and Naboo adults refused to speak to him or say his name. What Um, is happening? (laughs) This is is horrifying that Jar Jar turns into a shunned street clown. After he's a senator, damn it. He was an important government official. This is insane. Um, he deserves some respect. Is that, that's all real? That's all like in real it, things? Apparently, looks like that story where he's the clown 
is the last time that he... That's the last we know of him. That's five ABY. So that's, again, that's like right after the Battle of Endor. Okay, so realistically, I mean... Realistically, he could be... He could for sure be yeah, he could in still the be Mando alive. era. Oh, now we're really giving the writers ideas. Bring actual... I, I was just coming in with bring a, a Gungan back. Now we're bring Jar Jar Binks himself back. Elderly clown Jar Jar. So, whoa, what? Oh no, what are you finding? He's in... I read that book, I remember that. What? In one of the From a Certain Point of View stories, he is mentioned as somebody who will be remembered in galactic history. Are you kidding me? Jar Jar lives, you know, he's still around. Somehow, in canon, people have resisted the urge to kill Jar Jar Binks. Well, it's like, it's also he, again, talking about his legacy, his heroic stance that he holds in in the Empire. People would be like, oh, he is like a traitor. He's a war criminal. And I know he was, like, exiled again, but then it's like, the kids like him, but the parents don't. It's like, the parents would be calling the army on this man and getting him put in, like, a Nuremberg Trials style, like... Our elderly neighbor might have been an imperial sympathizer. I don't know. The the war tribunal that that Moff Gideon's at is also where Jar Jar Binks <laughs> is Jar being tried for his tri- crimes. <laughs> that is amazing. I like that because he did the coup. He did it. He did the I, coup. I mean, he he was as manipulated as anybody else in that Senate at the time. But like, physically moved his big flappy mouth and said, <laughs> "Vote of emergency powers for our boy over here in the robes." accidentally electing Hitler into office is not something you live down as a clown later in life. And it's like, I guess he gets, like, he deserves his punishment. What an actually kind of adult, currently, that's his ending. Like Sisyphus, like, once again exiled by his people and forced to live out his days as a, as a homeless street clown. Kind of crazy. Yeah, he went from, like... You know, veteran of the Clone Wars, senator, politician. General Jar Jar. General Binks. Like, truly, like, riding on a steed, throwing the big boobas, the big blue <laughs> electro I do know. I do know how you love to say in your deep General Tarpal's voice, uh, voice, Jar Jar, get the booba. Get the booba. That's a big booba. Love it, but he, I don't know. I would like to maybe read those books just for that additional context of of his life going forward. But hey, we've found out that even modern Disney canon novels aren't safe from what they want to do in the shows and movies and stuff. So Jar Jar could straight up just, could you imagine, on screen, live action, clown Jar Jar, Ahmed Best reprises his role to take it back for himself. I think it would be fascinating. I, I'm not saying that I would lo- I want to bring characters back. I would love to see Mandalorian go to Naboo. Like, what's up with Naboo? A New Republic well, occupied Naboo? There is a, um, there's a comic called Shattered Empire. Which, oh, I think you had me read this. Yeah. I think, the one where they, it's like Leia and, um... Poe Dameron's mom. Yeah, Go yes. to Naboo. Yeah, yeah. In the aftermath of the Battle of Endor. That was a fascinating read. And I think seeing that, seeing the Mando take on that. But, like, you know, what could he even really do there? I, I've got to go talk to somebody who's fought a battle droid before. <laughs> like, there's not a million. I don't know. Some stupid thing. And then he, go, he goes and lands there. 
Also, I would be oh, kind of yeah. interested to see how modern technology would render Jar Jar. Jar Jar, dude, that's why. That brings me back to my original point of like we need to bring back Gungans into the Star Wars franchise because it would probably look kind of insane. Because they look, look pretty scary. good in Episode One. Oh, dude, the CGI in Episode One is flaming hot fire. <laughs> it is really good, but. Just think about it now, like, the the amount of pores you could put on that fish face. Like, it would be, like, really creepy. I think it would make it a lot creepier, actually. I feel like you'd have to answer questions about Gungan anatomy that anatomy? have never been asked oh, before. Oh, God. Is Gungan's bones? We've always wanted to know. Is Gungan's bones? This has been our episode about <laughs> The Mandalorian. Quick wrap-up thoughts. I love Grief Cargo's cape droids. Uh, I those uh, are great. super love those guys. I love them clunking down the stairs behind him. <laughs> um, I'm super into um, Grogu snuggling up under his the Mando's like blaster bandolier. I think that's pretty adorable. Yeah, this is a weird lukewarm start to this season. I hope I hope we get jacked up a little bit more in the next coming weeks because I mean, damn, we're 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 kind of just drifting at, at the moment. I I'm, I'm like sure this, anything. Like this episode, we are drifting. exactly exactly. I want to like The Mandalorian. I really do. I really, as people who have listened to the show for the last few years know, I used to really like The Mandalorian, and even Season 2 had its moments that I really liked. Mm. Again, I think the best episode of the entire show is in Season 2. But, Seamus, I can't help but think back. I was While I was watching this episode, I was sitting there and I was like, this was the show that in its first se- season, Seamus got on the mic and said, best Star Wars thing ever, maybe. <laughs> no, I did not. You did, you absolutely. Cannot, I cannot. You said, above. I'm, you I'm maybe ready to declare Mandalorian Redaction, best Star Wars Secret. thing. No, no. I, and I'm like, I'm no not, way. this is not me villainizing you for saying that, but I'm saying, like, think about how much, <laughs> how much excitement we had for that show, how, how much potential and momentum it had that you were at a point where you could say that, because... Those first few episodes of The Mandalorian where you're like, what is the deal with this baby Yoda? Like, The Mandalorian, what's his deal before? Yeah, the mystery was still intact. Totally. I didn't agree with you then, and I certainly don't agree with you now. I don't agree with that now either, (laughs) I'll tell you that much. But at the same time, I understand where your mind was at. Especially because that time we were at a point in Star Wars where the sequels that were coming out were like weird and self-contradictory. And and the last Star Wars movie that had come out was Solo, which was just kind of like this samey... Like, you like this stuff, right? And I like Solo, but it was it was more of the same stuff that we just kept getting. Mm-hmm. And then the Mandalorian burst onto the scene. It was this breath of fresh air. It was set in an era that we hadn't explored very much. It was the first live-action Star Wars TV show. The hype was massive. Massive for the Mandalorian. And Episode Nine was about to come out. We're at such a different place with Star Wars now. Mm-hmm. And the Mandalorian itself is at such a different place than it was during its first season. It's just crazy to think how far we've come. Yeah, my God. It, it's status as, like, the catalyst for a new era of live-action, shorter-form Star Wars content to... It needs to start defying some of the expectations that it has been setting up quickly, or else it's going to fall the ranks of all of this great new content that we have now. And that makes me sad, because I, too, want to like The Mandalorian a lot more than I currently do. I have high hopes for the rest of the season. I think maybe, hey, maybe they bury the lead here. Maybe they're, we're going to just get absolutely pancaked with the, the the story picking up next episode. 
I mean, I'm excited I mean, about maybe... If, I mean, if we're really going down to Mandalore next episode, which it seems like is on the table, maybe? You think we're going to Mandalore next episode? I, I think we have at least two more episodes of getting IG-11. I um, The only solace that I hold here is that it can really only go up from here unless it goes we know, to the depths of... We know hey, that's yeah. not true. We have seen... <laughs> We have seen the bottom and of the I, barrel, Seamus. I think I think the worst that the Mandalorian has ever been, specifically the Mandalorian, I think that we've maybe like we can hit a, a floor after a minute here and and we can we can rise from the ashes to, to get something fun. That is my wishful thinking. But let's uh let's do this pop culture reference, eh? Hey, let's do it. This week's pop culture reference is Pergil. In the Star Wars universe, Pergil are a species of whale-like space-dwelling animals who are the only creatures who can travel through hyperspace without the aid of a spaceship. It is said that studying Pergil is what led to the development of hyperspace travel. Even in the early days of hyperspace travel, during the High Republic period, people would sometimes see Pergil out their windows of ships in hyperspace. Though Pergil first appeared in the animated series Star Wars Rebels, they most recently appeared in today's main segment the season 3 premiere of The Mandalorian, as Grogu sees them from the window of a starfighter. It remains to be seen if the Pergil will become more relevant to the Mandalorian series, or if they could possibly appear in something like the pending Ahsoka series. Yeah, that was one of the biggest moments of this episode that actually felt a little more powerful in the greater Star Wars universe than than the rest of what we got in this episode. Were you Were you surprised to see that? I was surprised to see them, and I was kind of... Enjoying the fact that they didn't tie into anything this episode. There, there wasn't even like a moment where Mando was like, "Yeah, those are Pergil. They travel through <laughs> hyperspace." It was just he like was asleep. He didn't even see him. We just let them be magical. It's like seeing the Northern Lights while you're, you know, driving north or and, something. And I mean, the way they shot <clears throat> that in the hyperspace lane with like the herd of Pergil and yeah. like the, the towering over what the N one starfighter. I, I thought that was beautiful. And as a Rebels fan, of course, I'm glad to see Rebels stuff making its way into live action, which is another reason that I'm kind of like, I wonder if these are going to be in the Ahsoka show, because a lot of stuff from Rebels is making its way into live (laughs) action for the Ahsoka show. I mean, I do, I I have two solid episodes left to finish Rebels, but I'm pretty much on, I'm in the know, I've been around... I've been in the Star Wars game long enough to know what I'm getting myself into. I wonder what normal people who watch The Mandalorian thought of them. Like, or were they just... That's why we did this pop culture reference, because it's like, you would have no idea what was going... Would you think those were, like, bad things? Scary things? Would they enemy ships? You know? Exactly. It's such a specific, really magical kind of force. Being of the greater universe that is so mysterious and hard to study, and, and, you know, it teaches the the human, the conscious beings of the universe, skills and tools for everything. I think people who watch this having not seen Rebels may be just as confused as the intro when Grogu j- jumps up again. I mean, I it is feels good. As, as somebody who's been watching Rebels, I, I like that kind of larger population of the universe is still there between Rebels and Mando. I, I, I expect to see more stuff like that going forward. Should we move on? Again, like you said, shortest, I mean, not shortest, because we went on quite the tangent during the Mando episode, but just, like, we're uh, rapid-firing segments. We are in the week. hyperspace lane. <laughs> that, 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 that's good, James. I like that. Punch it, Garrett. 
Now it's time to save the rec center, where we bring you our weekly recommendations. Seamus, what do you got this week? I mentioned it a little bit last week in our news segment, but I have been absolutely devouring the new Gorillaz album, <laughs> Cracker Island. It's all it's awesome, dude. I don't know if you've listened to any of the tracks. I, I usually try to avoid as many of the singles as I can before the album drops because Damon Albarn, he loves to, to like drop like half the album and the year leading up to the to the release. But I, I avoided it a lot and it is absolutely incredible. I, I it's got the a great energy, the this similar, a little more poppy indie energy that has been coming through in the last few Gorillas albums, but you know, there's a Tame Impala Booty Brown feature song. Oh, that's there's, awesome. Uh, Stevie Nicks, straight up Stevie Nicks track that I was floored to hear and absolutely loved. There's a lot of great features in there, and I, just all together, it is a super high energy, really solid, classic Gorillaz Sweet Spot album that I think you should definitely check out. And you know, they've all, of course, got all the fun little lore goodies associated with the story behind what the characters are doing with this album. It's all like cult themed and they're starting like a religion in the story of everything and doing things that got their story canceled at Netflix, you know, all the, all the good stuff there, <laughs> but I highly, highly recommend that you check it out. It's a banger through and through. I don't think there's any, a single miss on that album. So I would love to know your thoughts. I'll be sure to listen. I do like gorillas. I am not anywhere near as well-versed or loyal a fan as you, <laughs> But I do en- I do enjoy them quite a lot. You know, I enjoy Gorilla's Munch even more. But... Oh, God. Don't. Gorilla's Munch, the official branded cereal of the Nightmare Alley podcast. We're bringing everything back today. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, you're going to plug that. <laughs> oh, my God. But despite, you know, all of our weird callbacks that we could do, <laughs> I do I do like the Gorillas or just gorillas. Sorry, not the gorillas. I know that people could get touchy about that. You're on. You're on thin ice, Garrett. Good. <laughs> good catch. Thin but ice. I will listen to the new album. Yeah, dude. I definitely. I definitely think you should throw it on. It's totally solid. And if there's any record store day goodies on the horizon based on that, you know I'm snatching it up. But what do you have to save the rec center this week, Garrett? I have been getting back into lately. Hitman, the Hitman games. Oh, no kidding. And I have an interesting relationship with the Hitman games because I didn't play any of the old school ones at all. And I should sometime. Are they on PS Plus? I don't even know. I I actually, from my knowledge, Hitman 3, which I think is one of the newer ones, there is some kind of season pass that gives you access to like the entire roster of like they like remade the original ones maybe in the engine and like gave you the whole well that that sounds great to me because i've been playing i hope i'm not spreading misinformation but i played hitman 2 but like in the reboot trilogy that they're that they are on now i started with that one and i don't care about the story at all 
at all. I skip the cutscene. They let you skip the cutscenes. I just skip them. The confusing story. Entirely. Yeah. It's kind of like Jason Bourne, but like a more complex. He, he's maybe a clone or maybe he's got a barcode tattoo. I don't know if that makes him a robot. He, no, he's a not a, yeah, he's not a clone, but he is like, he has no identity anymore. He has no, any. he is yeah, only yeah. an assassin. He's only Agent 47. So I played that Hitman 2 when it came to PS Plus. I enjoy it a lot. I finally pulled the trigger. The uh, the first one of this new trilogy was on sale for like five bucks recently, and I bought that, and I'm going back and playing all those old missions. And even though I don't care about the story, and even though you know I'm not a super violent video game guy, I'm not a GTA guy, mm. really. I mean, I like Call of Duty Fine or Rainbow Six, but these where they're more like sadistic, and it's more you know, realistic personal violence. Yeah, like strangling somebody to death with a garrote wire is pretty brutal in these games. Fascinatingly, it really appeals to me, and it's really probably the most kind of grim, violent video game that really appeals to me, partially because they're essentially puzzle games. They're essentially, how can you get this person alone? How can you kill them? And in whatever disguise gets you to the place where you need to be, using whatever resources you have and get out clean. You don't want to kill anybody but the people you're there to kill. It's just really fun to be in that kind of open sandbox. It's not an open world. It's a very tight, clear-lined yeah, mission environment. location barriers per, per mission. But it's big and open, and it feels like a real lived-in space that you get to traverse almost every corner of, usually. You can pretend to be their personal chef, and you can poison their food... Or you could be three buildings away with a sniper rifle and just wait for them to come into the right window. But how do you get them to the right window? You know, what kind of distraction can you cause? What kind of lockdown can you initiate? You know, I'm very excited that IOI, we talked about this on the podcast a couple of years ago, is developing that James Bond game. Because there are yes. so many moments in Hitman where I'm like, this feels a lot like James Bond. And... I think that's kind of one of the pleasures of it to me is it feels like you are a secret agent and you feel like you are like on this mission. You get the cool cut scene before every mission where they're like, here, Agent 47, it's time for you to get to work. Here's the target and here's why we're targeting them. And That is rad. You know, I, I it's been a while since I've given him a shot. I think I tried Hitman 2, which is the one that you're, you've been talking about. Yep. For whatever reason, I was maybe trying to look at it more of like an action game rather than like the puzzle game lens that you're kind of bringing up now. But that makes me really actually want to go back and try it again because I remember just getting absolutely mission failure after mission failure. It was so hard for me to grasp, even though I'm, you know, I'm a big, I'm a Metal Gear Solid guy. I'm a stealth action fellow, but I just, it just couldn't work with me. And I think I was just looking at it a little differently. But, but I, I would love to go back and give that another shot now that you, you've given me that, that new new view. And I'm sorry if there are people that, like, really love the lore and the story and whatever. I think there is lore. I mean, you there could be, for sure. I mean, there have been multiple Hitman movies. I'm assuming they're about something. So I think he maybe had a wife at one point, or maybe not had a wife. And I, don't that was the, I, I don't know. As previously stated, I literally skipped this cutscenes. <laughs> and because of that, I, d I haven't played any of Hitman 3, so I don't know. You get a vague idea of what the story is, even just from the little cutscenes you have to watch right before the missions. Sure. So it's like, I get it. They're out to get me. Whatever. I, I You know, I'll, I'll kill them. Fine. I got it. <laughs> well, I, I definitely, I'm looking forward to watching you 
dress up as like a party clown and and shooting somebody in the head from across a, a yacht party sometime. I, uh, I'm sure you can show me how to how to effectively do some Agent Forty Seven stuff. But yeah, that wraps us up for this week's episode of of Mando Bros and almost <laughs> yes, exclusively Mando Bros. If you want to reach pop culture reference. You can find us on social media at PCR underscore podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. You can email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com and tune in next week when we are, I, I, I can't believe it, Seamus, it's finally upon us. We're talking about the full season of The Last of Us. Next week's also the Oscars. We usually come out on Sunday. But, you know, sometimes, like, this week's coming out a little bit late because uh, because of some weird scheduling between you and me. And mm-hmm. I don't know if The Last of Us is going to do what they did for the Super Bowl, where they moved the episode premiere to Friday. If that's so, maybe we'll try to get it out by Sunday. But if it is on Sunday, we're going to delay a little bit to, to watch it and then get the podcast out. And hopefully then we'll get to talk about some Oscar news, which we almost never do on this show. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll get to, we'll get to wrap that all up. It'll give, it, this gives me maybe a chance to actually start the last of us, which I'm looking forward to. And it gives me another opportunity to put a little pressure on you to, to, you know, maybe I'll ask if you've played the game recently. Maybe you will. And maybe, maybe you'll get I an will. answer that you're happy with Seamus. <laughs> maybe. maybe. We'll see. I'm, I'm I'm squinting my eyes at my mic as if it were you in, in a skeptical manner, but uh, that's neither here nor there. I can't do a Chewbacca. Uh, I also can't do a clicker, but, you know, I'm looking forward to next week where we're, from this moment on, we are silent. Adios, amigos. And then he puts his finger up to his mouth like John Krasinski in The Quiet Place.